Hey, y'all, before we get started, if you are enjoying this podcast, if you've listened to several episodes and have learned anything, if you'll do me a favor, take a screenshot and share this with someone who is a newbie in your life, who's interested in NFTs, but might feel overwhelmed. We want to get this education into the hands as many or the ears as many people as we can. So if you'll do me a favor and share this with one person in your life who you know would enjoy this content and have some fun learning about NFTs, we definitely appreciate it. Let's get into the show. Imagine watching your favorite television show, seeing your favorite character and thinking to yourself, I own you. Imagine having a creative say in the direction of that story. Does this sound crazy? Maybe it's not. Today's episode is a bonus episode, a little bit longer than normal, but we needed that time to talk to the co-creator of Deadheads NFT, Jeremy Jensen. He is going to share with us why these ideas may not be so crazy and maybe you can decentralize Hollywood. Look, are you interested in investing or collecting NFTs but are overwhelmed with all the information? Heather and I were true, true NFT newbies. We're gonna break it down as we're learning, as we wander unafraid into the world of digital art. Listen, y'all, we're going to cure you of your FOMO, mildly educate you, and give our unqualified opinions and hopefully have a lot of laughs along the way. What's up, family? We got Jeremy Jensen here with us today, and I'm so freaking excited because we're kind of like merging two things that I'm really pumped about in life in general is, first of all, creativity, media, storytelling, Oh, y'all know I love that. And then mixing that with NFTs and how those two interact, Deadheads is spearheading just a game-changing way that we look at media and Netflix and Amazon and streaming services and the way that we entertain ourselves. NFTs have a big part to play in this. And uh, Jeremy, it's an honor to have you on, my friend. Thanks so much for taking time out of your day to join us. Thank you for taking time out of your day to have me. I want to start off with your background, which is filmmaking. You at first pursued filmmaking as your career. Tell us a little bit about that and how you transitioned into NFTs. When I was younger, film was kind of my focus. I went to student film festivals growing up and I was obsessed with the format of entertainment in general. I then went to university for media, information, and technoculture, at which point I was realizing that there was like interesting things about the world and the way we consume what we consume and why we consume it. And I was just generally just diving in, but not specifically making films at that point in university. I had to pick. So when confronted with film school or sort of some more generalist media, I went the media path so that I had more opportunities afterwards. But then I realized once I graduated, film was my passion. So I went back into film, but I did it on the ground level. Instead of making student films, like which was kind of like an organic creative sort of experience, I was working on film sets, you know, ones like Supergirl and The Flash, and these are TV sets, but you get the point. They're, they're large productions, right? And, and some films, and I was just moving equipment at the beginning, and I worked my way up to being assistant camera. But overall, I was everything I did was labor intensive, and everyone around me didn't care for anything to do with the production. In fact, you know, most people don't even know the script. They don't even they don't even have the script, right? They just wake up in the morning, the night before they get the slides and they find out what they're doing the next day. They're moving batteries back and forth. They're moving, you know, you name it. Like they, it's just like a labor intensive system. 
and the decision makers are at the top. On the set, those are your directors, your director of photography, but even higher, it's the producers and the studio and the executive producers. And this creative vision isn't, isn't executed by the people who really work on the film that much at all. There's just a couple of people making creative decisions. This irked me a lot. I had to get out of film because it was so intense. It was like being in the military. It wasn't like working on anything creative. And I know people be like, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but these are 15 hour days back to back to back to back. Like it is, and it's very regimented. So that's why I say like military, like because it's so intense and, and you know, rigorous. But uh, once I left, I started working in marketing and I did that to a great degree and, and eventually left and started just on my own uh, consulting with certain companies. And over the years, I got into crypto and NFTs. When they started to launch in January of 2021, my, one of my friends randomly wanted to start an e-commerce business with art, artificial intelligence art. So yeah, so my film background was intense and uh, I transitioned away from that into, into NFTs pretty organically. This is non-standard, but I don't really care. So like Heather and I were talking earlier about some of your takeaways from the film industry and how you kind of looked at everyone as just kind of, you know, pieces of the puzzle, but with, with no real understanding of, of the, the big picture and the vision of what was going on. And it seems like you didn't like like the trajectory. Like, well, if I do this, what does it mean? What's the next evolution of what I'm going to do? Well, Heather and I were talking and she's like, she was telling me that she has an agent because she does acting things. And I'm like, okay, I didn't know you had an agent. And then she's like, there's a certain order that they tell me things are going to have to go. And she's not thrilled about that. So I want to know, like, between both you guys, like, what is it that you're just like, so dissatisfied with that you're going to like, I'm going to carve my own path, because like, I see so many parallels in that and kind of the disruptive nature of being like, I'm going to fucking do this however I want. You tweeted out a few days ago, um, how's Marvel going to keep going with all their artists now making NFTs? And I made a note of that because it's interesting to think about pursuing the creative path. You know, people sometimes steer either, you know, like, hey, you don't want to do that because there's no future in that. There's no way to make money in that. And unless like what Rich was alluding to a minute ago, unless you just beat down the doors and do exactly what people say and follow this conventional path, it seems almost like a hopeless pursuit. And so it's interesting to me when you tweeted that out, I was thinking about, wow, artists from Marvel are pursuing NFTs now. And there's a space for filmmakers and actors and comedians. I mean, there's just a whole other door opening up and to, you know, lead back into deadheads with what you guys are doing. I'm just curious how NFTs can potentially solve for this problem and maybe give a little bit more hope for creatives that they can have a space here and that their work will actually be seen. Yeah. So this is twofold. First off, that tweet was very tongue in cheek because a lot of <laughs> NFTs are trying to onboard the people who don't know a lot by claiming high accolades, such as working for Gucci, working for Marvel, working for Supreme. Mm -hmm. So what they do is, as their, as their marketing technique to onboard newbies, it's to leverage some kind of like a work experience that they were a minor part of. So Marvel has over the years hired tens of thousands of artists that do, sure. my, they're, and they're all cogs in a wheel because they're doing minor roles. But when they come out and release Primate Planet, they onboard you using leveraging this experience that they may or may not have, but typically they might, but it's just in a, for a month of their life as a contractor. And that's to onboard you into their project to believe in them. So every project that has 
come out that's 3D art has said they're Marvel artists and use similar wording and they're released by the same people. So my statement was actually very tongue in cheek because I think they were playing in to something we trusted and enjoyed as entertainment and then mm-hmm. selling you yeah. that previous like obvious Marvel worked. So therefore this will work to try and like lure you in, but then they released a new one every day. And I found that mm-hmm. really unethical of them. So that was the one reason I tweeted it. The other reason I tweeted it is because actually any artist right now is like unattainable. So like the best artists will, with thanks to NFTs, unironically, not for the reasons I just stated, they will actually carve NFT paths because it's so much more lucrative, like you're saying, for a true creative to build a world and create their vision with, with the masses behind them versus with a giant studio behind them. So it's actually, it was actually kind of like a two-pronged tweet that either hit for some people because it was like, true, there's all these creatives creating and how other people because they were like, that is a kind of ridiculous every project as a Marvel artist right now. Is that real? So the Deadheads NFT project came out in June. All kinds of characters, zombies, kind of like the mummies. Like You don't need to know about the characters as much as you need to know what's behind it, which is the ability to have your own IP, which is dovetailing exactly of what we were just talking about, which is some of these artists uh, hypothetically could walk away from their big film productions and start something on their own. You're trying to say with the narrative piece, especially that like, this is not going to be a static digital asset that you have, that there is a continuation that you can actually help thrust forward with our help by staking, et cetera, et cetera. But I know this is your vision, but when you think about people who are NFT holders, you know, did you have anyone in the community saying, hey, I want this to be my IP? Because if you didn't have people jumping up and down and saying that's what they wanted, then how did you have the inclination to go forward with it? So to anyone listening, a giant thesis of mine is that narrative is the most critical piece of longevity. So the reason Top Shot will, maybe doesn't moon forever, but will sustain for you know, for the duration of time is because all it requires is the NBA itself to function, for a player to dunk, for a game to happen, for a trade to take place. All these events are part of a narrative that will that will continue on that NFT model. And that continuity over time and that longevity is all thanks to the narrative of the NBA. So we thought in order for our project, whatever we built next have longevity, it needed a narrative. And we thought, what is, you know, what is a great way to build a narrative is to tell a story because stories can go on and on and they can rebirth and they can live. And then after we launched, we got a lot of pressure from the community in terms of decentralizing the IP. So we thought, how could this model best work? And that would be like a hybrid of like board Apes where it's not like you own the IP entirely because you can, you do. It's you get the opportunity to give it back to us. So we have something called a casting pool where you own your IP, you, this is how we phrase it, you own your soul, go buy your deadhead, put on your mantelpiece, get your cruel, morbid deadhead in your life, right? Then if you want it in our series and being part of the story, you cast it. That's through a mechanism called staking. And for those who are unfamiliar, it basically means you lock it in a new smart contract for duration of time. During that time, we pay you out in show token, which at the moment is worthless, to be honest. It's only used to function in the Deadheads universe and buy Deadheads assets. But once your Deadhead is in the casting pool, not only do you own that show token, it could appear in the series, which then unequivocally will give it value depending on its popularity. Because the more popular the character, hopefully over time, the more lucrative that character becomes. Follow up before I kick it to Heather. 
if I stake my deadheads, you say I have the opportunity for them to show up in a series. What if I do stake and I'm like, Jeremy, dude, I'm staking for 24 months, bro. Like, where's my dude? I want to see Rich be the fucking king shit in that series. <laughs> like, what do you say to people who haven't seen their deadheads? There's no guarantee that if it's in the cast, it will be casted. Like any casting process, not all characters are perfect for certain roles. And we prefer to make sure we have the writers and the producers and the directors happy with who they're casting in terms of like the way they impact the show. That said, you still earn show token. So everyone who's not staking their deadhead will never earn any show token. And that will be used to mint pieces of the episode themselves as we go. So right now we have a green room. So if there's a couch or a light or something that you like in the episode, they often come up in the green room so you can mint them. And that will be with our ecosystem token show. So in essence, yes, you may never be casted, but you gain value by just putting it in the casting pool itself over time. I love your thesis that narrative is the key to longevity. And I was thinking about, you know, as a creative, like protecting the story and really creating something that you're proud of, that you stand behind. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm conflicted because I understand how cool it is to involve other people in the creative process, but also to protecting that narrative. How are you guys forming the story? Like logistically, how is that happening? How many writers do you have? How did you pick those writers? And how are you involving the community while still protecting that narrative? Yeah. And that question is so good. I think for the first six months, we were trying to interweave all those aspects. We were saying, if you're in Deadheads, you're in it for the show. Now, I think our next six months, we predicated on saying, if you're in Deadheads, you own your soul and you can do with it what you'd like, be it create a comic like Sal, that one of our community members, Bennett, has like the IP on that he's trademarked and he's going off and working with incredible writers to build an entire narrative around Sal. That's totally Deadheads' model. Build what you want out of this ecosystem. We also have a show that we are building around the narrative of deadheads that you can cast into. So you can either give your deadhead to us or you can build off it yourself or you can just do nothing and put it on your mantelpiece and enjoy that morbid soul. But previously it was all about our show, our show. Now it's all about we have our show and you can potentially all have your own. Hey guys, we're going to take a really quick break to let you know about a course that I went through that I really loved and it's called NFTs Simplified. Now, this is from Sean Specey who came out with this really short, easy to digest NFT course to help brand new newbies learn the how and why behind NFTs, how to buy NFTs, what in the world is minting phase, secondary market, a little bit about security. I originally connected with Sean because I loved his graphics and the way that he was able to draw out and literally simplify this whole NFT game. And even being in the space for quite a while and understanding some of these basic concepts when I went through the course, I just loved it and actually learned some things. It's linked up in the show notes. It's NFTs simplified and it's only 19 bucks. So click over there, grab the course. If you're like me and you need to see things visually drawn out, Sean's going to help you out. Again, that is NFTs Simplified. So I, I want to hit on one thing I heard, which was, well, first off, like Heather and I were joking because we're like June, like you guys launched in June, like that feels like two years ago. Like it hasn't even been a year. And I love the story of you getting in touch with the COO and CEO of OpenSea 
who, you know, at the time and like how incredibly difficult that would be nowadays. But like, can you talk about some of the effort it takes to be like, I'm just going to make this call. I'm going to say, here's where we're at and let's do this. And then you end up on the homepage. Like, how does that happen? Because I love that type of initiative, uh, you know, to make what you want happen. Yeah, I think that's a bit of an entrepreneur's journey is, is you have to like take leaps of faith and you have to have a lot of belief. And also part of entrepreneur's journey is, is you know, focusing on your vision against the grain and like trying to double down on something that's like unique to what you believe in. For those who are new to the NFT community, these PFPs are not all NFTs have ever been. Okay. These are, these are birthed out of Board Ape Yacht Club success, which is birthed out of CryptoPunk success. For a while, it was just CryptoPunks. There's a few people using them as PFPs and everyone was like, damn, those are really cool. And everyone else was making art separately, inventing games, casinos in Decentraland, metaverse applications. It was all NFTs were represented so much, right? Then while that was happening, Nifty Gateway was like seen as the one because it's where all the big artists went. It's where your, you know, your beach, so your Kygos went and your et cetera, et cetera. They all went to Nifty Gateway. That was like the, the pinnacle. Punks had did live auctions on Nifty Gateway, whatever, whatever. So I was looking at the volumes and I was noticing OpenSea was doing more monthly active users because my job is to kind of like be a tech guy. I look at all this stuff. I was like, OpenSea is actually growing at a way faster rate than everyone else. Why is that? So then I went into OpenSea and I was like, we need to launch with these guys. Like, these are going to be the guys. And so then my business partner was like, I don't know, man. Only if we don't get on Nifty Gateway. And I was like, no, like they're actually already becoming bigger. Like next month, they'll be like bigger. Like, so anyways, we did that and we, we, we got jumped on an email and we emailed them every single day and they were like really receptive. Um, and yeah, we got lucky. I mean, I guess in a way because they liked us and um, we got along and we, we launched on their homepage. I saw, where was this? You tweeted, or it was in the Discord, I believe. It said, feature film, Hollywood baby, we're going mainstream. And I'm like, these dudes are five episodes in on YouTube with the finale coming up here. I understand the evolution's coming up. Uh, you know, like I, I understand what's happening with, as it's supposed to go forward, but what are we looking at here? Like what's going on behind the scenes? Like how much traction is happening that is not completely visible to the public? There is a ton. Like the people we talk to on the backside of this project are some of the biggest people in the entire space. It's legends, people who created IPs that like we have in our corner, some of the greatest minds like in, in entertainment, I'll be honest. And we would release their names, but I'm not looking to pump the project. I'm looking to build the best IP we possibly can. So sure. we could, and, and we also have offers from studios, like we could go and build a film uh, like tomorrow and do it on kind of a shorter budget and put it on Netflix. But, but this is one thing we've been getting from some of the, some of the greats recently is if you are on Netflix and Amazon, your goal is to then generate enough hype that you create, you know, longevity and a community around your film and fan fiction and all this kind of stuff. And we've actually got that side of the equation locked in. So the release on Netflix and Amazon as our Northern Star is both ext extremely ambitious and also extremely doable. But how many things go through Netflix and Amazon and don't actually get seen? So for us to do that, for us to get there, we could do it soon. And it would kind of like get everyone excited. But our best bet is actually to really delay that process and dial in on what our story truly is. So that when we do go to the Netflix and Amazons, we're onboarding new people 
and we're getting the increased sort of uptick in demand that we otherwise wouldn't get from a YouTube or a Twitter or what have you. But we don't want to do that without first knowing that the story that Deadheads is built upon is like going to make it. We wanted to touch on just the community aspect of it. Um, a lot of people enter into this space, you know, because they see it as an investment opportunity to do a flip. In fact, I was just in Discord a minute ago and somebody's like, what's your best flip technique? And, you know, what were some tips there? And I think, you know, there's nothing wrong with with that mindset. I think we're missing a, a big opportunity for the, the long game. And I know that's what you guys are really promoting within your community. You'd rather people not buy in if, if they're flipping. They want to, you you want to create a community that actually cares about the media that you're producing. I think you've guys done a really good job on it. I don't know who this dude was who tattooed a deadhead on his body <laughs> on Twitter, but um, any anything that you would could speak to as far as like the community that you guys are wanting to build and uh, the techniques that y'all are using to build it. Yeah, the macro environments of NFTs right now is going to bring in speculators. You listen to this podcast, likely saw an article about a 14-year-old that made 100 grand on a picture of a whale. That is just like the reality is a lot of people are onboarded for the, for the monetary opportunity in the short term that is few and far between and virtually impossible to find. There's only one board ape over the last you know, eight months. It's not like everyone who bought every NFT made money there. A lot of them went up and a lot of them, 99.9% of those went down. Now, my point there is you, when you onboard a speculator in this environment, in our macro, we have to turn them into fans. So I'd rather someone come in organically because they enjoy the content than someone come in because they're looking to make money because that person looking to make money might not see a return on their investment for another six months, another year, another two years, right? Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that's going to happen, but... I know that what we're building is special. So I want the people who want to build it with us to be in our corner, not the people who are constantly trying to get out of it. And it's funny, someone came in the Discord yesterday, and we rarely get this. Our Discord is so dedicated to the long term because I think a lot of people understand that to build content is a long term vision. But someone came in and said, you know, Deadheads have done so much and it's almost a downfall because you've released so many episodes and so many technical mechanisms that you're not leaving a lot to these speculators to speculate upon. But my response is, how can we improve and iterate and create better content if all I'm doing is sitting on pictures and telling you that you know time now wants to release them in the future? Like if you, everything's predicated on what happens with some big company in the long-term future that doesn't exist now, how are you getting better? How can we find our story, our narrative, and build for our fans if we're not building every single day, right? When I was listening to some of the shows and, and some of the interviews we've had before, uh, we just interviewed World of Women recently, and they said something, and you said something very similar in one of your interviews. And let me, let me just put it to you this way. We've noticed that artists who potentially could come up with a lucrative project don't necessarily have the business acumen to support something long-term. And when we were talking to World of Women, they said, we are a business. We are a brand. And then in one of yours, you're like, we are a startup. And I think it's really important for listeners who have aspirations of coming up with a project that there is a business backend that needs to be very much intact, especially if you have success. Obviously, there needs to be community. Obviously, there needs to be content. But we're talking about you guys taking the mint from the Skull Troopers and that's going into full production for all, all the costs uh, related to keeping the show going and making, maybe hiring the best writers and actors or whatever it may be. But can you talk about how important it is for people to realize that 
and you don't position yourself like this, by the way, but it's, you're not an NFT project. You are a multimedia company who's focusing on IP and narrative. Like, can you talk about the importance of business? Yeah, we're an entertainment brand that allows people to own characters. You can buy Soul, or you can, and that character you can incorporate in the series or not. But we're just like an entertainment brand at this point, uh, more than we are NFTs. NFTs is a technology in which we're built upon. In short, for anyone listening to this who's new to NFTs and who's in NFTs, there's a clear distinction. Some projects are for the art, and some projects are actual projects. And it's okay for artists to make art, but it has to be from the onset. You have to understand that that is an artist who doesn't isn't looking to give you utility for the rest of your life, <laughs> let alone the next day. They built art and they want you to buy the art because they like the art. Then there's projects that are like brands. Now, in a traditional sense, that would be like Hello Kitty, Pokemon, things like this. The artists of Hello Kitty, you don't know the name of because the business is built. It's an entire infrastructure around the cat. Like that's what NFT projects are more like. They're more like Hello Kitties. Is that like the art is important, but the brand in which surrounds it and encompasses it is kind of like the critical aspect. And it's yeah, it's not a, it's not a cakewalk to to own a brand because it's not like you you just have the art. You have to hire like we have to, like twenty employees, and I'm just it's actually growing. And like we have an entire production arm, and we have an entire like NFT like organization arm, like. And like, like it's not free. Like the Sculptures Mint, like is is getting soaked into this entirely. Um, and even then, like our you know our runway is going to be on that. I don't know. I couldn't even predict. But the point is, you're like you're you're reinvesting on mass to see your vision come true versus being like, here's the art. <laughs> it's like it's yeah. way different. It's a way different model. Can you share? I thought it was just interesting how you guys uh, found your your script writers and animators and so forth. Yeah, originally it was from the community. And now we have abilities for the community to incorporate, but we we find the most qualified professional individuals who believe in the company. Like we think like the Tesla model where every people don't work at Tesla because it's like that lucrative. They could work at Amazon or Apple for the lucrative. They work at Tesla because they think they're changing the world. They come home at night and they're like, we are like removing gas. Like we're removing like all these systems. Like we are innovating, right? When people who come at deadheads to feel that way about animation and creativity, to feel like we're kind of giving the studio model back to the fans themselves as as they build out an IP. It's no longer a couple of people making all these creative decisions. It's a whole community, all the fans, they're not just making fan art. They own that art. They can distribute that art, can sell that art. They're not just making, you know, they're not just own a they're not just like own a toy. They own the character. They, they if like we just made a partnership where they we can sell physical toys. If ISM you own toys? Yeah, ISM toys. If yeah. you go through the portal and want to buy Damien, the person who owns Damien makes money. Like, Damn. yeah, like, <laughs> I forgot you know? about that. Yeah. So as we grow, like, if people wanted to buy, like, you know, thousands of Damien's around the world, tens of thousands, millions of Damien's. So you asked how we found our writers and stuff, but I'm just giving a more in-depth thing that, like, it's kind of like ground up. Like, we allow people to come from the community, but we realize that to reach where we want to go, we need to hire the greatest professionals in their roles. Like the Simpsons, the person who does the Simpsons previs did episode fives. That's the storyboarding, like. Like they like draw how it's supposed to look. Yeah. Speaking of episode five, how did you guys get Metal World Peace? And for those of you who don't know, his former NBA player was Ron Artest. He was involved in the brawl over at the Palace in Detroit. Then went to the Lakers, had some issues. But Metal World Peace is very, very well known basketball player, former NBA player. How did that even happen? Metal World Peace is 
connected to one of our producers and that producer kind of ran by him the idea of what we're building and he wanted to get involved and we wanted to have him involved. So we, uh, we got him into the community and we got him a, a, a little role and God, did he ever kill it? I mean, he, he's probably one of the best voice actors hundred percent that we've seen. Like he's incredible. hundred <laughs> percent. So for those listening who were thinking like, okay, is, is this the, the community, the space for me? I mean, coming into it just, subjectively, I think of it as, okay, if I, if I'm a creative, if I'm interested in film and storytelling, et cetera, like it's really cool to align with people who are making waves in this space in that direction. Just also too, from a learning perspective, because seeing what you guys are doing, is like just really messing with my brain about the path that I need to go to deliver the story that I personally want to tell. Um, that's me speaking for me, but who are you guys looking to onboard into your community? Who do you think is like the ideal person? I know obviously people who just genuinely love the story, but also too, I think there's a big learning opportunity here for those who are going the conventional path of filmmaking and storytelling, et cetera. Essentially creators. So like if you're a good voice talent or you'd be a fantastic asset, but not everyone needs to be an asset. Like someone who wants to get in the community who is an asset is fantastic. Someone who wants to just hold a deadhead because they like the look of it is also fantastic. At the end of the day, that's why we have the casting pool. It's to sort of say that, you know, you can get into this ecosystem and own a character and be part of these limited run of characters. You don't have to put it through our narrative engine. You can have your own narrative engine or you can just let it sit. So I'd say ideally for us, it would be great to have holders who had talents that they can contribute Anyone who's influential would be brilliant. Anyone in this in the entertainment space already is always like such an, a great asset because you can include them in certain ways. But also like equally happy with anyone who wants to build out their own brand using Deadheads because then they have a platform in which to do it, or someone who just wants to sell there. You know, I think that's the thing that messes with my mind is the building out of the brand. Like, I just, I, I guess I've been taught like that violates something and actually thinking you have the rights to something. I hear you saying that, but I haven't really wrapped my mind around it yet. <laughs> well, I'm looking at all these characters right now on OpenSea. I'm like, oh, that could be Heather. That could be Heather. But if you're a newbie, if you're a newbie right now at the time of this filming, floor price on Deadheads is 0.178. We firsthand have seen the community, even to the point where, you know, and, and I don't think this is like in bad taste or anything. Stoner Cats uh, tweeted on tweeted that, you know, they're the first animated series. And then all of a sudden the Deadhead community swooped in, was like, don't think so. Not really, player, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden you guys collaborated and it turned out to be incredible. But that's kind of talking about the community. You guys have a long, long term vision. You have a great floor price. Everything's rocking and rolling. But I do want to address one thing. And I love this of what I've heard you are not disenfranchised by the fact that the floor price is affordable um, versus a lot of the people who may have been in your Discord and being like, dude, why are we not at one ETH yet? Why do you believe so strongly that it's it's okay when a lot of people would be, you know, kind of sweating bullets being like, I just made all this investment. Why is it not blowing up? Well, it's fine because I believe and I'm enjoying the process and we're all enjoying the process. And I think projects that are predicated on just going up you have to mint and then their entire budget goes into marketing and then it's like see you later like you either made out yeah. or you jumped in at the wrong time you're a newbie and you see the marketing and you buy in well there's no more budget those guys are gone the mint guys made money and then everyone who came in after lost because they just marketed it and then disappeared like this model that is nfts at the moment and most of them that newbies kind of get onboarded with is so toxic and so to have a low floor price for us is yes. like 
kind of nice. It's like, here's an, an, an entry point that is relative to other projects that you could get in on at any point. Here's a history and here's a plan. And if you want to get in on with us, you know, you know that at least we're doing everything we can for the plan that you got in on. And it's not like you're getting into some rogue speculative roller coaster that is like, like you know, pro- probably going nowhere. It's like, here is something that you can understand, get into and enjoy being part of if you want to. And so I'm really happy to have a low floor price for that reason. I mean, you, it's not like costing someone, you know, their car to join Deadheads. They can enjoy the episodes and they can become part of the, they become part of the community. Speaking of community, I have a random question from the community that I'll end with. Is there anything else that you had, Rich? I was already convinced about this project, but this is like a whole different level. Uh, just really, really doing some homework, reading the discords. Uh, I'm so impressed. Let me just put this this way. And I don't give a shit if I'm like pumping it up. Like you can see and you can, it's very tangible to like feel the runway, how long it is. I cannot say that for a lot of the projects, even with some of the big collaborations of some of the NFTs I own. Like it's still kind of like, okay, yeah, like, you know, you collaborated with this and what does that actually mean? This is very, very different. So like hats off all the way. I'm obviously a proud Deadheads owner, but I think you guys are onto something big and just kind of listening to how you approach things. It just makes it seem like you're manifesting like every single day. And you could even see in the evolution of the episodes already how things are getting folded in that, that uh, you know, upon your promises. So I'll leave it at that, Heather. I, I had to make that comment because this research really opened my eyes even wider. And I'm, I'm just super pumped about this. Well, all the links will be in the show notes so you guys can connect with this in community, see what they're up to, watch this series. But Jeremy, is there anything that you're excited about that you want to promote before this amazing question that you will not believe came up from a listener? Thank you all for listening and giving me a platform in which to like put out my passion and my vision. And like you never know how these things end up, but you can do better and pivot and work and like fight for what you believe in and and create something that never existed before is something that every Deadheads holder is doing together at this point. And it's, it's a hell of a journey and I'm just loving the process. I promise you, those of you listening, those of you watching, I'm not BSing you. There is a random uh, question deck that listeners send in questions to put at the end of the show. And I swear this was the next one. I'm not making this up. Okay. Uh, this comes from Sam Norris on Twitter at the OPN NFT or OPNFT, sorry. He asks, if you could bring, I can't believe this, if you could bring one person back from the grave and have one night with them, who would it be and why? <laughs> That's How the kind of question. That? Seriously. I love like that idea of bringing dead things back and that interaction of life and death and like using animation and comedy in this black way. Like this is really something we want to dial it on and get and start to tell correctly. If there's one person I could bring back and spend one night with them, uh, I think Winston Churchill would have some insane stories. That's it, y'all. Big thank you to Jeremy for coming on today's episode. Uh, Make sure that you connect with them. The links are all up in the show notes, and we'll see y'all next time. Bye.